When the whistles start to chirp, there's a body on the floor Yellow flag in the air, they screaming, I can't take no more M.I.A. to the DMV, yeah, we ordered down Big Chief on my jersey, yeah, you know how we get down It's the fade route, we don't play now, we don't play now All these other shows get no plays now, they get no plays now They don't got Big J on the stage now Think they high, but they don't even got the chance they got now got the chance now Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Fade Route. And first of all, I'd like to thank my boy Big J for hooking me up with that song in the intro. You can follow him on Twitter at Big, sorry, at Fat FLVKO underscore JV. That's Fat FLVKO underscore JV on Twitter. Hook him up. My man is a wizard with all the, with the music. Like, he's a, a wizard with all this music stuff. And... That's number one, and number two, I apologize, because I've been, like, all over the place with the first three podcasts, and I got school starting up, so once I get school started up, and I get, like, back up and running with with my job, then I'll have a more concrete time, like, I'll be more, like, I have a more concrete, I'll be more consistent with my episodes, I'll have a certain day of the week. But I got a, I got a lot of stuff. I got stuff to like figure out right now. So once that's in place, I, I assure you, I promise you, I'm coming with that consistency. So just bear with me for the time being. All right. So, the first thing that we're gonna talk about today, we got to talk about this obvious like this no call that happened over the weekend in the NFC Championship between the Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints. First of all, it was a very bad like. A very egregious missed call because first of all, you had pass interference because the dude from LA contacted the receiver before the ball was even like before the ball could be reached. It was a catchable ball and there was interference. So, so that was clearly pass interference. Or since the contact was head to head, like helmet to helmet, they could have called like unnecessary roughness, helmet to helmet, pass interference. They could have called any of that, but nothing was called. And that's really the the weirdest thing about all of that. There's a lot of things they could have called, but they didn't. And what's even weirder is that there was a ref, like if you go back and look at the like look at the replay of that, there was a ref that was about to throw his flag, and then there was another one rushing into the last second saying, no, don't do it, the ball was tipped. But the ball really wasn't tipped, if you, might, if you want my opinion, it wasn't tipped. But hey, what do I know? Because like at the end of the day, I guess that's why I'm not a ref, right? <laughs> yeah, but the... And it gets even worse than that, because the NFL hasn't... It's been five days since that no call in question. And the NFL has not yet put out a statement. Like, they have not yet put out a statement about it. The closest thing they did was find the Rams dude that that caused the contact. The, like, they find him, and that's the closest thing they did to acknowledging that. And really, if you if you want my opinion on it, that's really just the NFL saying, "All right, all right, Saints, all right, Saints fans, look, we find the dude, so we so it's handled, it's over, so let's just move on." And really, that's not it. That's 
really, I would say doing the bare minimum, but that's even less than that. Because, look, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but this is how I was raised. Like, my mom and my dad always taught me growing up, when you make a mess, you clean it up. And the ref certainly did make a mess in not calling and having their choice of three different penalties they could have called and not calling any of them. And I guarantee, I mean, I, I realized that this could have had a significant impact on the game. And I realized it was a very egregious error for the refs. And on the whole, this has been a very poor season when it comes to officiating. But I'm not really going to go as far as saying that the Saints would have won that game just guaranteed if that call had been made for several reasons. Like, at the end of the day, yes, it was a bad call and all that, but Saints fans, you got to realize that, number one, you had, uh, the Saints had a 13 to nothing lead in this game and let the Rams come back. That's number one. Number two, again, the call was very bad. It was one of the worst calls in the league this season, if not the absolute worst. But you got to remember, just a couple plays after that, you kicked, like the Saints kicked the go-ahead field goal. So they had a three-point lead with under two minutes left. So from here, if the defense makes one more stop, the Saints are in the Super Bowl regardless of the no-call. But the problem, only problem with that is they didn't. So they allowed the Rams... So to march down the field, get within field goal range, and then Greg the Leg Zerline kicks a field goal to tie the game and send it into overtime. Now, in overtime, the Saints won the coin toss, so they got the ball first to start the to start overtime. But then Drew Brees threw an interception, which really wasn't his fault because his arm was like his arm was hit as he as the ball was coming out, as he was throwing. So really, I'm not going to blame the interception on Drew Brees. That's really more of an offensive line. That's really more of the offense on the offensive line because they didn't give Drew the protection that he needed to throw the ball that like it was supposed to be thrown. So really, that's on Brees. I mean, not, not on Brees. That's on the offensive line. So from here, the game is still tied. The Rams are not in field goal range yet. So what the Saints needed to do from here, Saints defense was again in a position where they needed to make a stop. But this time it wasn't like they make a stop and win the game. This time they needed to make a stop to to get the ball back to their offense and keep the game going. And guess what? They didn't because Greg Zerline kicked another field goal and this time they won the game. So really what I'm saying here is Yes, the refs made like the refs missed a number of calls on that one play. Yes, the refs need to be held accountable. No, the NFL did not do nearly enough to like nearly enough to address the issue. I, all of that is true, but the but you got to understand that one call was not the only reason why the Saints lost this game. Another reason why the Saints lost this game is because they couldn't get anything going on the ground. They only had 44 rush yards. That's not the ref's fault. Like, they threw two interceptions. I, believe, I mean, Drew Brees threw, I believe, two interceptions. That's not the ref's fault. But yet, Saints fans are asking for a rematch. 
I don't, I don't get it. I really don't understand it because honestly, I'm, now I'm speaking as a Redskins fan. Saints fans, if you if you listen to anything I say, listen to this. On behalf of Redskins fans everywhere, we get jobbed by the refs like this every single week. Like we get jobbed every single week by the refs. Like they missed a pass interference call at the end of the Texans game that would have put us in field goal position, and then Dustin Hopkins could have kicked the field goal and won the game. They missed. And the Thanksgiving game against Dallas, they missed a blatant face mask uh, against Colt McCoy. Like our quarterback Colt McCoy had a hand, had a Dallas hand all over his face mask, and the refs didn't call that. Later in the Dallas game, later in that game, Jordan Reed got hit in the helmet, helmet to helmet contact, no flag. And then. The Monday night game in Philadelphia, the Eagles' first touchdown, the left guard got away, like got away with a blatant false start. The refs didn't call it. The Tennessee game, matter of fact, let's go to the Tennessee game. First of all, Marcus Mariota, towards the end of the first quarter, actually, no, this was on the first drive of the game. Marcus Mariota scrambled out the pocket on third down and got a first down, but the problem, but the whole thing is. Number 77 on Tennessee was blatantly holding Ryan Kerrigan. Had him in a choke slam. The refs didn't call it. And then later in that drive, on the play where they scored a touchdown, Tennessee gets away with a false start. And guess what? The refs don't call it. I can go on and on and on about how many times the refs just just screwed over the Redskins. And despite all of that, you don't hear me asking for you don't hear me whining to the NFL asking for a rematch because at the end of the day I do realize that yes the refs do make mistakes like the refs did make mistakes but to blame the to to hold the refs accountable as if they're the they're the sole reason why the Saints lost that game it's just idiotic it's just idiotic and it's irresponsible because some of the Saints players will probably tell you themselves, like there's there's blocks the O-line could have made. There's catches the receiver. Like there were missed tackles by the defense. Like the the thing is, the Saints got a 13 to nothing lead. And at that point, they thought that this game was over and they were going to the Super Bowl. And that and it comes down to they let their foot off the gas. They let their foot off the enemy off the Rams' neck, and it cost them. And now L.A. is going to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in franchise history. And they're going up against the Patriots, who are appearing in Super Bowl number 11. Now, what's interesting about this is that the Patriots Patriots and Tom Brady have played the Rams in the Super Bowl before. So this is the third time the Patriots will be in a Super Bowl rematch. And... For those of you Patriots haters out there, y'all gonna love what I what I'm about to say next. This is the third Super Bowl rematch for the Patriots, for the, for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the Patriots. They lost the previous two. Like, let's go in chronological order of the first time. Uh, from the first time in 2004, the Patriots played the Eagles in the Super Bowl, the, and the Patriots won. And then we jump ahead. 13 years later, and Philly wins the rematch. The Eagles won the rematch. Then, 
2007, the Patriots play the Giants for the first time in the Super Bowl. And New York wins this one. Now we jump ahead. Uh, we don't jump ahead as far as we did for Philly. We go only four years ahead this time. And guess what? New York wins the rematch too. So that's a little bit of that's a little bit of bit of hope for the Patri- for Rams fans and Patriots haters, although most of y'all are just Patriots haters. And really, I think the Rams actually do have a good enough good enough offense to to exploit the Patriots' weak weaknesses on defense, particularly in their secondary. Although, yeah, it's really going to be in their secondary. Although, what's really going to define this game is cliche as it may be. This is going to be this game is going to be won in the trenches because the Patriots' defensive line has actually been playing a lot better than I thought they would this postseason. And the Rams' rushing attack, the Rams' rushing attack, is notably. Like, we all know they're one of the best run games in the league, but what we don't know is the Patriots are up there, too, with James White and Sony Michelle. So New England can run the ball, too. But if this this comes down to, if this comes down to defenses, which I really think it will, L.A. has the edge. Because this isn't the typical Patriots defense. The typical Patriots defense is the type that holds the, that holds the other team at bay while Tom Brady gets all the credit for the win. This ain't the case. This Patriots defense can and will give up yards in chunks. Because the Patriots in their AFC Championship against the Chiefs, yes, they won the game in overtime, but really they could have won the game in regulation, but Kansas City was able to to just march down the field in the second. I mean, because they held the Chiefs without a point. They held them to 32 yards in the first half, but... The Chiefs were just able to just run all over the field in the second half. They were just running all over the place in the second half. And granted, that's a lot of that is because of, of Patrick Mahomes. He's a bright young quarterback. He, he's going to grow up to be an NFL elite one day. He's going to grow up to be one of the elites in the league one day. But this Patriots defense just really, they're not the Patriots defense that we're used to seeing because this Patriots defense, particularly the secondary, isn't exactly as strong. But they but they're young. They got guys like JC Jackson, who is a DMV product, so I don't mean to brag about that, but he's from the DMV. He's from around here. And he had two penalties called on the final drive of regulation, which nearly cost New England the game. But yeah. If you want my prediction for the Super Bowl, I think the Rams are going to take it. I really do. Now, we move on to Redskins news, and that is the Washington Redskins have gotten a new defensive backs coach. We all thought it was D'Angelo. Redskins fans around here thought it was going to be D'Angelo Hall, but it turned out not to be the case. This new guy from Arizona... I think that was the right decision because he's got a lot of experience. So uh, you you combine his experience with a young and still developing defensive backfield that the Redskins have because we got young guys in Quentin Dunbar, Fabian Moreau, and Harvey Clemens. Wait, yeah, Harvey Clemens. So, and we got... We still got some some veteran leadership in Josh Norman, although he might be 
released this offseason, which would save the Redskins about $8.5 million against the cap. So really what what the Redskins needed what the Redskins needed here was somebody that this is what the Redskins need in general, somebody that will hold people accountable. And hopefully this new guy I'm very bad with names, but hopefully this new guy that that just got hired will be the one that the type that holds people accountable, like the, that holds the def, defensive backfield accountable and helps them to develop, helps them to prosper, helps them to uh, helps shore up that pass defense which was very sketchy last season. So D'Angelo Hall would have been a nice hire. D'Angelo Hall would have been a nice hire, though. I certainly could have seen it because this is a guy that knows the player. Like he, he knows some of the players in that locker room. He knows, like he knows the organization. He knows his. He knows his way around. He's familiar with everything. He's already familiar with everything. So he would have been a nice hire. So. So maybe if this dude don't work out, D Hall is the next in line, because apparently the Redskins did have a meeting with him on Tuesday, and they were very intrigued with him too. So there's potential for D'Angelo Hall, if not in Washington, he's he could have like there's potential for him to be a coach somewhere, the on the coaching staff of some other team. Hopefully he doesn't go to Dallas. But uh, yeah, so basically now. We lean into the NFL draft and who the Reds, who I think the Redskins should take. Honestly, actually, no, before we get into that, Indianapolis Colts backup quarterback Jacoby Brissett says that he would like to go somewhere that he could be a starter, that he could start in this league. And I know a lot of people off the bat would go, Jacoby Brissett, who's that? Who is Jacoby Brissett? Jacoby Brissett actually did start a number of games for the Colts while Andrew Luck is out, while Andrew Luck was out. He's actually not a bad quarterback. I feel like he'd be a perfect fit for the Redskins. At least we should at least look at him. We we should at least look in his direction for 2019 because basically for 2019 the 2019 quarterback market coming out of college isn't particularly a strong one, but what I want for the next Redskins quarterback is a young guy who could possibly be with the franchise for a while. So I say for the Redskins, you bring Jacoby Brissett in, let him start the 2019 season, and if it wor- and if he works out, then like if he has a good season and or we make the playoffs, then keep him on board. Yeah, keep him on board and make him our long our long term quarterback of the future. But if he doesn't work out, then really you got nothing. Then really the quarterback market for 2020 coming out of college is a lot stronger than the one for this year. So really it's not really a lot to lose out of this deal if you're the Redskins. There's there's not really a way you can lose from this. And that leads me to who I think the Redskins should draft. Now, there's a lot of different ways that this could play out. Because first of all, if the Redskins draft, I mean, not draft, sorry, if the Redskins do sign Jacoby Brissett or trade for a quarterback, 
like, say, Nick Foles, then really there's no need to draft a quarterback in the first round, in which case I'd go defensive backfield because, again, the passing game, the passing defense was sketchy at best in the 2019 season because you know, we had names like Nick Foles, Dak Prescott, Eli Manning. Eli Manning in 2018 lit us up through the air. And let's not even talk about Drew Brees and Matt Ryan. Ugh, those were just, oh, those were just, let's not even talk about them. So, basically, I think the Redskins, I mean, if, if the Redskins draft a defensive back, in the case of signing Jacoby Brissett, you could get, or, I mean, even if we don't sign Jacoby Brissett, a defensive back, the right defensive back could get our defensive backfield looking like like it did back in 2007, like 2005, 2007, like when we had guys like Sean Taylor and, and young D'Angelo Hall and his prime D-Hall out like in the backfield like we could have a d back a backfield like that make the other team scared to throw the ball and when you take away the air game in today like today's NFL you basically you basically shut down the offense because nowadays while run game is important you can't rely on running backs to get like 300 yards every single game it's just it's just not gonna shake out for you that way. So that's option one if if the Redskins do get a quarterback this off this offseason in free agency. Now, if not, I do think we could take a look at wide receiver because we do still need a star wide receiver, and that could and while that could be Jamison Crowder, from what I heard, I haven't heard anything about contract negotiations with Crowder. So I'm just assuming at this point that the Redskins are letting him test the free agent market. Which is cool, but you might but if you're the Redskins, you do have to be prepared to match if you do want if you do want Crowder back, which I do, you have to be prepared to match any offer that anybody signs Crowder to let that anybody throws Crowder's way. Which could work or it could backfire like with, say, how I'm a Wizards fan and a couple summers ago, the Nets signed Otto to a contract, like to a to a max like to a contract, and the Wizards matched and threw a max at him. And fast forward to now, Otto's coming off the bench, although that's due to an injury that he's rehabbing. He's coming off the bench. I mean he has been productive off the bench, but Bench is still the bench. But back to Redskins. Again, you got to be prepared to match any offer that other teams will throw at him. And there will be some teams that are looking to get a star wide receiver, like, say, the Packers or the Ravens. Like, if you're you're a team like the Ravens and you're only one piece away from being a, a Super Bowl contender and a wide receiver like Crowder could very well be that one piece... Yeah, Redskins, you might need to come out your pockets to re-sign Crowder. Hopefully not, though. Now, although the term franchise tag really just haunts me to this day, just sends me shaking in my, like, sends me shaking in my six-foot-tall stature, 
if there's one player that I think the Redskins should franchise tag, honestly, it's Crowder. Because Jamison Crowder really does sound like he likes the team, like he loves the team, he loves the players, he loves the fans, he loves the city, like he wants to be, he wants to be a Redskin. Those words can only mean so much when somebody like say the Giants. Wait, no, the Giants will not remember that. Like somebody say the Jets is throwing, like say forty million dollars in your face. At that point, loyalty only goes so far. So for the Redskins, if you if you consider the franchise tag on Crowder, what I do is kind of like what I kind of like what I thought the Redskins were gonna do with Kirk. Cousins in 2016, how the okay the first franchise tag was just like one more year, just like to see how he does, just one more year because this is this was like on the heels of him leading the team back from three and five to the playoffs, like to a division championship and the playoffs. So this was on the heels of that. So 2016 was supposed to be just the prove it year, and which. Kirk himself proved that he at least has some skills. So 2017, what I thought the Redskins were going to do was franchise tag him and then and then work out a deal with him and then, and then close other teams off from him to work out a deal, which did not turn out to be the case. And fast forward to now, the Minnesota Vikings threw $84 million at him. He took that, asked no questions, and led them to not and successfully led them not to the playoffs to put it kindly <laughs> now nah, but with the redskins i mean but with crowder though crowder wouldn't be asking for that for 84 million dollars so i mean so if i'm the redskins what I, what i'd offer him is 5 years 35 million that's just that's just me. That's just what I would offer. Five years, thirty-five million for Crowder. Now, best case scenario for the Redskins offseason when it comes to free agency, if we get Crowder back and we get Preston Smith back, although I really don't see that happening, I feel like we're gonna get either Crowder or Preston Smith back. I don't see us getting both. And then when it comes to the draft, I'm thinking best man available at fifteen. I don't like, like, I honestly don't like trading up because the last time we did that, we made we made the playoffs that following year, so it benefited us short term, but hurt like hell long term, because basically we missed out on the 2013 and 2014 drafts, so that that kind of set us back a couple years. Trading back would be the opposite, and really we haven't done that before, so I'm not, I'm not against that because at the end of the day the Ravens traded back twice last like last year and they made the playoffs they won their division so if it can work for them why can't it work for us you know what I'm saying or like whoever's available at 15 like there's a lot of places that the Redskins could go with that 15th pick so really there isn't really anybody like any place where we could draft somebody and I'd be mad at it when it, except for maybe defensive line because I think we've already built up enough on the defensive line and it's starting to show in 2019 it's starting to show this past season how in 2018 nobody's going to give the Redskins credit for this 
because nobody likes to give the Redskins credit for anything, but when it comes to run defense, the Redskins were among the most improved, if not the single most improved team when it comes to stopping the run in 2018. Because I'm going to keep saying this, like they did not allow a single 100-yard rusher until Thanksgiving. That's week 13, Thanksgiving. That means for 12 week, the first 12 weeks of the season, the Redskins faced the likes of David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Luke Keekley, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and did not allow any of them to get to 100. To get to 100. So, yeah, like, Ezekiel Elliott finally broke that mold on Thanksgiving, and really that, I would say that was the beginning of the end, but when it when it comes down to it, the Alex Smith injury was the beginning of the end, although that game really was winnable after that. That game really was winnable after that, and really we should have won, like, we would have won if the refs decided to throw a pass interference call. See, Saints fans, look, I can do that too. I can, I can throw the ref flag too. But I, but I digress. We wouldn't have made it to the NFC Championship anyway, so I, I'm gonna just let that one go. So yeah, that just about wraps up this ep- this week's episode of the fade route. And I, again, I promise next week once I get classes, like once I get my class schedule sorted out, I already have it sorted out now. But I, I need to see how, how much. Like time on like classes and other extracurricular activities. Once I get all that sorted sorted out, jumbled out, I promise I will ha- I will be more consistent with my episodes. I'll have like a certain day of the week, but I just need to see which day like which day would be best for me. So once I get that all sorted out, I promise I will let you know. But until then, my name. It's Evan Johnson. I'm a Redskins fan. I'm not really happy right now. And just remember, that I'll, I'll leave you with this. The refs made a bad call, but it wasn't the whole reason the Saints lost that game. A rematch will be pointless. Everyone knows it, so just let it go. All right, I'm out. <laughs>